Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another Fan Fuel Motorsports podcast. This is the podcast where fans fuel talk about motorsports. Today is episode 33. We have a wonderful guest coming on in a little bit, and that is the driver of the six car. You can kind of see hanging out there behind Nathan, and that is Raja Caruth. He is currently on his way to Martinsville for the 300-lap Super Late Model event that's going there. He will be joining us as soon as he can. Uh, but I'll go ahead and start us off with the events that took place this last weekend at Bristol. Um, guys, what what a weekend. Uh, what, what can I say other than that? I mean, this was bringing classic Bristol back. This was the most enthusiastic I think we have been as a sport about a race weekend, and it started with the ARCA race, but it ramped up all the way to Sunday. So let's talk about Sunday. Um, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and hand this off to you guys. What do you guys want to talk about? Because there's there's just way too much to talk about. It's, go ahead. I'm just entertained. Like, that's the key word. Like, the races were actually very good. And even if you took away the finishes, it'd still be really good. Like, from start to finish, they were all fun to watch. Um, there was some controversy for you. They had a little bit of everything. So, like, I don't know how you could complain in a week like this. Yeah, um, I mean, this is a great weekend. I can't believe we're covering this track in dirt um, and taking away a full race weekend of it. Um, I get the spring race didn't have as good of attendance as the fall race did. And, you know, they, they get a lot more revenue from SMI and Bristol Motor Speedway from bringing in all the dirt classes that they do. But come on, give us two concrete races a year. This is amazing. This is one of the best weekends of the year, if not the best. Um, and I think, I mean, we saw probably the race of the decade in the Xfinity race this weekend. Um, which I am so stoked to talk about. Yeah, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But first off is obviously we're going to talk about uh, Saturday night's antics. Um, there, there was quite a, a bit of things going on. There was beating and banging all through the pack, something that we haven't seen too, too much lately at, at Bristol. A lot of fans clamoring for the the one-lane Bristol. But my, my takeaway was uh, we finally got – I don't know if they used PJ1 or resin, but whatever – they did, and whatever uh, temperature-wise, whatever the whole snowballing effect was of perfect conditions that we got gave us a bottom-dominant two-lane track, and it felt like a really good dirt racing surface to me because you could make up time in different lanes on both different sets of corners. Um, the low line seemed to be very much better in one and two for some drivers while they were high in three and four or vice versa, or somebody's a bottom feeder, somebody's a top feeder. So there was really four different styles of driving in that race, and that was what I was most excited about after watching 500 laps at Bristol. And I, if we can have that 15 times on the schedule, I'm down for it. I do love speedway racing. I've talked about it before, but, yeah, Colton, you're right. I, I don't want to cover this place in dirt ever again. Whew. Yeah, <laughs> get that one out. Yeah. yeah, it took me a while. I didn't take any breaths. It's super excited. Um, but what did happen on Sunday was, like I said, a bunch of beating and banging. We saw uh, the 11 get in trouble there uh, with a with a flat tire near the end of the race and and have his issues. But obviously he was a winner at Darlington, so he didn't have to worry about moving on. We did see a couple of guys get cut from the playoffs uh, with the 34, which I think we can all agree we, we saw that coming. Uh but one of the guys I wanted to focus on um, was was Kurt Busch. So what did you guys think about Kurt Busch's round? Um, and was he necessarily a guy you had going out in the in the first uh, 
four cutoff drivers? Uh, definitely not. Like that's the one word that I would say because Ganassi made up a huge step, especially on the 750 tracks. He was he ran really good at Darlington. He was running really good at Richmond. It was too early to tell, but he had a tire go down, and that was that. So I, I don't think he deserved to go out this round. Like they were really good in the first two races, and then I don't know what happened on Sunday or Saturday night actually, but it was really weird. Like everyone thought that he was going to do good. It's Kurt Busch, it's Bristol, and they they laid an egg. Like I don't think there's a way to to distract from that. But at the same yeah. time, I don't think that should have been enough to put him out of the round because they had had a, such a good first two races. Yeah. I mean, that's just a product of this package. I mean, I didn't definitely didn't yeah. see Kurt going out this early, um, especially with how hot he got later in the season. Um, but I mean, you have one or two bad races in the playoffs. I mean, he didn't even finish terrible at Bristol. Um, he just kind of finished mid pack. And then of course, Richmond really didn't help his case. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what he does the rest of the year. I still think he's one that could still nab a win um, within yeah, these final awesome. seven weeks. Um, I mean, I definitely – I picked him at Bristol, so I didn't see him having the weekend that he did nor getting knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah, I definitely could see him uh, being one to watch at these 550 races like this weekend at, at Las Vegas, of course, Kansas and Texas coming up. Um, I, I don't know that he's going to have the car at the 750 tracks going forward, uh, but but that will be something that we can we can see. Um, I, I I don't want to, to, to go right into this, but, you know, we kind of have to – um, there was a scuttle between the four car and the nine car. Um, and a lot of different fans are on a lot of different opinions of this. And that could be based on who their favorite driver is or who their least favorite driver is as well. So Chase Elliott versus Kevin Harvick or vice versa, depending on your style of opinion. Uh, what, I mean, what are your guys thoughts on that? Um, and this, like, I understand why Chase Elliott's mad. First of all, you know, like things happen. He got a tire cut down on accident. Like that, that's just part of it. I don't think anybody meant for that to happen, but I don't agree with what he did, you know, trying to swipe at Harvick after he pitted to look like he tried to cut his tire down on purpose, which I don't agree with. I understand that lap cars are part of racing, but I, I think it's different when a lapped car is either intentionally trying to cut the leader's tire down or intentionally trying to spice somebody. Like, I think at that point, that, that goes a little bit beyond, you know, you're just a lap car. Like, lap cars holding their line is one thing, but lap cars intentionally trying to end the leader's day, that's another thing. Yeah, so if y'all follow me on Twitter, I have a huge problem with this. Um, I don't have as much of a problem with guys who are just about to go a lap down, blocking, right, trying yeah. to stay on that lead lap. Um, I have no problem with guys – trying to block for their teammate while they're both competitive. I do have a problem with the guy who's not on the lead lap on fresh retired yeah. from the leader waiting on the leader. Um, Chase Elliott was catching and passed Kevin Harvick really on old tires, came in, got new ones, and then waited on him. You could, I mean, he should have taken off. He should have been half a track ahead by the time that race ended. And instead you saw him pull ahead six, seven, eight car lengths and then let off and get back, you know, right. kind of back up to Harvick again. Um, I mean, I think this is a very, I mean, shitty move on Chase's part. Um, I'm not a fan of it. I think this goes more in line with the Matt Kenseth, Joey Logano thing than it does with um, even the Chastain, Kurt Busch thing. Um, I would put this more in that category because you, it was clearly intentional. The radio communication showed that it was intentional. The only people I see supporting this saying, way to go, Chase, are Chase fans. Chase Elliott fans. 
Yeah. Every, everyone else is like, hey, that's a shit move. It isn't against the rules. I mean, I've been proven wrong on Twitter with that. I'll leave my words. It's not against the rules. It should be. Um, that, I mean, because that was manipulating the outcome of the race. And it's a lot different than just dumping the leader to try to win the race. That's racing. This this wasn't racing. This was – I mean, this was bullshit. Like, I think if they yeah. tried to cut his tire down on purpose. Like, if, the, if yeah, imagine right. if we cut Harvick's tire down, like, what, what would the reaction be? Well, so to me, um, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with retaliation. Not in stock car racing. Obviously, in other forms of racing, it's very dangerous. We shouldn't do it. Um, you see uh, on Saturday Night Short Tracks, uh, there are varying rules depending on which racetrack you work for, which racetrack you race at, which racetrack you sit in the stands at. Retaliation might be okay. It might not be okay. Intentionally wrecking is... Not really, not really a good thing, but retaliation is going to occur. You can rock a man's cage without retaliating, right? Uh, to a point where they wreck him, and that's what Chase went to do. He didn't flat out dump him like the Matt Kenseth thing. No, but he tried to cut. His and tire. that's fine with me, right? That, that's fine with me. But the where the problem lies is just like I ranted about last week. That's the hypocrisy of the move, right? I ranted about the hypocrisy of race fans last week. Well, this week. Chase Elliott, I'm going to rant about your hypocrisy. You can't go out there in, I believe it was 2019 spring race. Everybody keeps saying last year, but last year. It was year last was year. It was last, oh, it was last year. last year? Yeah, it okay. was last year. It was? Uh, okay, so 2020 spring race, nobody's there. Best fucking race that Bristol had in the spring, whatever. And we love that. We love the fact that Chase raced hard. Chase was racing for the lead. Kevin Harvick was racing for the lead. He was going for a win. And... You cannot get mad at that if that's what you're going to do in a different race when you're in the same situation. And you damn sure cannot go out there on fresh tires and cut the fucking leader off coming out of pit road when you're multiple laps down. Now, I don't know how many laps down he was, but he pitted under green at Bristol. He was probably a couple laps down. You can't do that. Just like Colton said, you can you can make it hard for the leader to pass you. You can do a Ryan Newman against Matt DiBenedetto thing where you don't want to go on a lap down because that changes your whole race, and I get that. Once you've been lapped, it's over. Now you're going to sit there, get mad, complain about it, and be just whiny on the radio because some guy raced you the way you would race him. Get out of right. here. And I, I, think, get I get that your NASCAR is going, boy, but that's just a that's right. just. Right, and I, one thing I'd like to point out, though, is both of the Harvick and Chase – accidents there they're both accidental like you know i see people use bristol last year against chase as if he did it on purpose but i think the way they put it is it seems like chase Elliott expects grace from the other driver if he wrecks them on accident but when they wreck him on accident he seems to not give them the same leeway that he yeah, expects so when he does it it's a racing incident when they do it it's malicious right like right. there's no and that's not there's okay no, there's yeah. no equal with that yeah i mean and we've seen this from I mean, just even this year with Chase fans, you know, um, we saw it last year with Kyle Busch at Darlington, an honest mistake that Kyle made. He thought he was clear. wasn't. We see that, you know, once a month at least. Well, it just so happened that he dumped Chase Elliott. So now it was on purpose. Right. And I, I mean, I don't agree with the hypocrisy there. Um, I completely agree with you guys. And I want to highlight this comment. Um, he should have saved it in the memory bank and moved him later to a different track when needed. Yeah. Let the drivers police themselves. Don't try to do it that same race. You're out of contention. Right now, you're just being a dick. Um, I would have loved to have seen him moving on to 
um, the Roval. I'd love to see him moving on to Martinsville, um, another cutoff race, and kind of jeopardize Harvick's season if he really felt that way. But now it seems like he already got that out, and now if he does it again, it just seems like he's being a prick about it, right, and carrying on old news at this point. Um, and Harvick, Harvick's the guy that's got the upper hand now. So what he did right. with that dipshit move is now he's got a target on his back for the next seven races. He's not. Right. He's probably not going to make it to Phoenix. And if he does, it's going to be because he outdrove Kevin Harvick no, he, he'll to make a point where Harvick could not reach him. It's not going to be yeah. because Kevin Harvick let him, because I don't think he's going to let him get to Phoenix. Right, and I, I guess to be devil's advocate, I know this never turns out well, but I will say that there's a lot of 550 horsepower tracks out there, so it's going to be very, very hard for Harvick to actually race in the same zip code as Chase Elliott on those tracks with how bad SHR is there. So, like, I don't I don't worry about him for Phoenix. I just think that, like I said earlier, you, you don't really want to do that when you're out of contention. Like, you've basically lost all the moral high ground that you would have had if you just yeah. let it happen. You know, if, if he had not done anything and said in the interview, like, hey, I don't like how I was raced, then people would agree with him. But it's the fact that he tried to cut the leader's tire down. And then he also just checked up, like you guys said. Like, you can't. You know, imagine if Harvick got a tire up and blew a tire. Then then you're looking at, like, serious punishment and all that kind of stuff. It's just not – it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and that puts yeah. NASCAR in, in a hard place too because now you got the favorite driver of the people yeah. having to come out and get penalized and stuff, and nobody needs any of that. This was just like, – like, like we've all said, it was a dipshit move that didn't need to happen when it happened. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, and uh, with that, let's let's move on to probably the best race of of the weekend, if not the year, honestly. Um, Xfinity race at Bristol. I mean, we've we've praised the seven fifty package. We've praised the fact that these cars race better. The talent is different. So you've got veterans versus young guys and all this stuff, and it came to a head. And first of all, let's go in and talk about the regular season championship before we get to the actual race how it came down to the last race and i just want to appreciate the fact that we had a good points race because you can show that we don't necessarily need playoffs to have a gritty last race in a championship so what did you guys think of that being an all-season thing coming down to this last round and and whether or not it played a factor into the finish of this race i thought it played a good factor um it was entertaining, for sure. I like the fact that it did come down to the last race. Um, other than that, I think that everything else was good. Like it was, that was what you would expect for a green white checkered at Bristol, um, or if it was a green white checker. I don't remember if it was, you know, over the schedule distance or not. But either way, um, it was entertaining. I I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was kind of done and over with before that caution came out. Yeah, I mean, like you guys said, you don't need all the gimmicks to make a good long points race for the entire year. Um, And not only did this come down to the last race, but it came down to the win, basically, Um, Mm -hmm. because both these drivers knew they had to finish ahead of the other guy to win the regular season championship. That win meant more than any other points they could grab during the race. Um, I don't think you see that kind of finish with, say, a Justin Haley and – you know, name another driver, right? I think with the Cindric and Almondinger, that just created that much more little spice for the finish 
Um, and then I'd also like to praise the composite bodies. That was the difference in me between that good finish and that good side-by-side banging doors together racing versus the Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick cutting a tire. Yeah, and that's that's another uh, factor I didn't even think about. Um, yeah. Yeah, we probably wouldn't have seen that kind of racing on Saturday night anyways, even if it was um, even more of, I guess, a, a passionate run to the end than it was. Um, yeah, I, I got I to gotta praise the – the whole Xfinity season this year, uh, it was very good. It was up and down for a lot of different drivers, a lot of different times. Saw some surprise winners in there um, that we didn't think about. I think the Jeb Burton win uh, kind of caught me off guard and stuff, other stuff like that. Um, a good crop of guys, uh, and it seems like we might be losing a little bit of those guys to the Cup Series next year, so it's going to be interesting to see where we are at um next year with this series and i look forward to seeing uh news coming out but who's going to be driving where and and just how good it is um when we do talk about the xfinity series we 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 look back at a bunch of these races though like maybe the kyle bush race versus um chase briscoe last year and stuff like that they're always coming down to the mark and that's what fans want now you and i and and uh, the three of us, we've talked about fuel mileage races and stuff being fun, and we can appreciate that. But it seems like this series is the one that produces the close finishes more often than the Cup Series. Um, so is that a statement that you guys would agree with, or am I just coming out of left field here? Um, I think it has a good point because you look at Xfinity, they're all like younger kids or people that are fighting for careers or fighting for rides. or They really don't have – they have a lot more to lose than the guys that are racing the cup. So they, they race like that. They know that this might be the last opportunity. This might be the last chance to win a race that year, so on and so forth. And that way, whenever you get a late caution, it's always chaotic because it's, it's a proving ground. Like it's not a series where everybody knows what to do. So you're going to get things that you wouldn't get in a series with experienced drivers. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good combination of, um, both a, the lack of experience B the, uh, I mean, just the, like Nate said, the grit and the will to move on and keep your ride. Um, but I mean, also we got to look at not only the cars and how they're built and how much they can withstand. Um, but also, I mean, just the strategy. I mean, we see a lot of cool strategies come out of left field from the Xfinity series. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of cool shit that comes out. I mean, I've even said on Twitter that to me, this is the cup series. I mean, to me, this is the series of the weekend, almost week in and week out this year. Um, So, I mean, I'm more excited about seeing the Xfinity race at Vegas than I am the cup race. And that says quite a bit. Um, But, I mean, overall, I mean, it's a a great, great series. And I wish the cup series would just mimic that package on their cars. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens next year. Like you said, the composite body was – was something that helped pretty much the last couple of seasons with with these guys not cutting tires and being able to beat and bang and rub on each other a little bit. Uh, that's going to be what's going on next year in the Cup Series. So maybe those cars can handle each other a little bit more. Uh, got some people saying maybe not because of the new suspension and stuff. I don't know that's, where that's we're going to be next year. Yeah. So we'll see what goes on with the Cup Series. I, I think we need to get back to where the Premier Series is the Premier Racing, but that's not necessarily – seeming like it's going to be done on the horizon. But back to the race itself. Um, some people uh, may not have liked the overall race uh, because it did um, it did 
you know, get a little bit of a lull in the, in the middle of the stages there. But that finish was phenomenal, right? So we got two guys battling hard for the race win, for the championship. Two guys that are pretty much the same person. Uh, one of them's just 39 years old, and the other one is uh, 20-something. So uh, both of these guys, road racing backgrounds, and they both kind of looked wonky on the ovals when they started their careers, and now they're pretty much stock car aces on ovals and road courses. I mean, what better duel from a two different driver uh, duel would you even want at this point? I mean, you got two caliber drivers. You got the the young gun and the, and the strict vet over here just going at it for the whole season, and it comes to a head here at Bristol. What a battle. What did you guys think of that finish and and what happened afterwards? Um, I thought it was a great finish. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was most respectful racing for sure because I did kind of feel bad for Cindric. He did get used up. Um, he kind of got run to the wall. Um, other than that, I think it kind of evened out because you had Cindric come right back at him. I didn't think that Almendinger was going to miss the final corner like that. And once he saw that, Cindric just – I mean, he put his foot to the floor. He didn't lift. So that was pretty interesting. I didn't expect him to do that. So it's definitely a one-in-a-lifetime finish for me because I'd never seen something like that before with two cars wrecking across the line. Um, it was super close, too. So I don't know. Yeah. Pure chaos, and it was yeah. like must-watch TV. Yeah, I mean, I said it before. This might be the race of the decade um, just because, I mean – we saw guys, I mean, we saw several of them fighting super hard at the very end of that last restart for the win. Um, can you imagine what it would have been like if all, or if, uh, not Almendinger, Allgaier was right there too with them? We could have seen Allgaier steal that win from the two crashing cars. Um, but not only that, I mean, I can, I can only recall a couple of races where the leader crashed. And even at that, it wasn't a full-on hit in the wall, get clobbered by another car, crash to win the race. Um, it was like a tap the inside wall at Bristol, roll the car into victory lane, call it good. I mean, this was, I mean, it was fantastic. I was screaming on my TV when this happened. Yeah, it was a hell of a race, man. Um, I didn't, um, I didn't get to see the first part of it live. I went back and watched it later. It was, it was a hell of a race and it, it comes down to something as crazy as that. I mean, what, what more can you ask for? Like I, I come on here, I'll tell you, I like strategy racing, but I like side by side hard nose racing too. Um, that, that, that was incredible. Like you said, all guy was there at the, at the end. He kind of fell off after there was a, some contact up front and, and we, we realistically could have seen those three guys go at it. I wish we could have got that, but what we got was fine. Um, talk about racing incidents though. That's what happens when you get raced hard. And, and when we came off of four, Austin Cendrick didn't wreck the 16 on purpose. That, he was trying everything he could to nose his way in front of him. So that's the difference between what Chase Elliott did on Sunday and what what good racing is. And it sucks that they had to lose two cars in that accident. But I mean, you gotta you gotta feel for college racing. I mean, they 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 have come from basically nothing. Now they're one of the best teams in the series. And you know, apparently they just lost a sponsor. So that finish right there is going to get some names on the on the on the door for next year. Um, I mean, I I don't even know what else to say about this race. It was phenomenal. Um, let's talk about let's talk about the uh, post race antics. Uh, 
I know Jared, he's not on tonight. He was at the race. Um, he assured that uh, the crowd was doing this to us in our group chat. Why the hell did they boo Austin Cindric? Oh, man. I would assume that NASCAR fans, like, you know, they hate when they want their brothers racing, and they probably booed Cindric because they thought he was going to complain about getting run over at the end. But to be fair, I agree with what Cindric said. I don't think there was any reason to boo him. I, I think he has every right to be upset because it looked like coming at the white flag that he did get used up. He did get put – he didn't get put in the wall, but he almost got put there. It looked like the 16 just missed the corner and drove into him. So, And then, obviously, he got a, a shot back at on here. So it was always even at least. But yeah. I think – I don't think they should have booed Cindric. He just – all he did was voice his frustration. He didn't do anything bad. He didn't say anything bad. He just said, hey, that's that's racing. I don't like it, but it's racing. Yeah, I mean, you get 20,000 drunk rednecks in a stadium. Yeah. I mean, they're going to boo someone. And he just right. came out and said that he didn't like the way he was raced, and that was enough for him. Um, I mean, like Nate said, I agree with everything he said. Not only did he get booed, but he got cheered in the same interview. And so I don't know what yeah. the hell that was about. Um, but, I mean, I think it was more just the passion. Everyone saw that live and was freaking out, and then they hear Cindric kind of complain about how he was raced. So I get it. I don't think it was fair. Um, but I mean, he didn't really seem to care much either way. Yeah. He just looked visibly confused. He's one of the nicest guys in the garage too. So I don't, I don't think fans know that about, uh, Austin Stinger. I mean, we can talk about it with my, with my dad in a couple of weeks. I mean, he even offered to give my dad and eventually I, uh, rides in his plane to, uh, to Indianapolis motor speedway from the Coke 600, uh, should we need it in the future. So, if you're listening out there, Austin, one of these days, we're going to both check in on those tickets. So, um, but anyways, yeah, um, I don't know to see, to see them boo and they come right back and cheer. I was like, that's the biggest 180 crowd reaction I've ever seen in my life. And we couldn't yeah. have got that without that amazing finish. Um, but we, we pan over to, to victory lane and uh, well, AJ Almagadinger, he had to go there, uh, but he didn't, he didn't think about the fact that he wasn't going to be on victory lane. He was going to be in victory lane in the medical center. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, I don't remember a time that we've ever seen this. The car is so junk that the driver has to go to the infield care center. Uh, what did you guys think about that and what AJ had to say when he got out of the car? Oh man, I think it was hilarious. The whole thing, because obviously it's precautionary. Um, I don't know what the, what the, threshold is i don't know if it's you know if you have to get out of the car you have to go to the care center or you know whether there's a certain g-force that requires it or or every series has a different protocol and i would assume it's because his car was junked he couldn't just drive the car to victory lane but the fact that you're getting your winter interview outside the care center like that's not going to happen very often so i might as well enjoy it yeah and the protocol in the Xfinity series, at least I know, is that if you can't drive your car away from an accident, you have to go to the to the care center, right? If you get out on the racing surface, you have to go. Um, the closest we've ever come was Davey Allison, the All-Star race, and yeah. he was interviewed in victory lane. Um, but, I mean, I thought this was super cool to see. Um, yeah, he just brought it up in the comments here. He went straight to the hospital, no victory lane. You kind of got that confused Robert Yates and Larry McReynolds picture in victory lane. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it, it was interesting to see. I don't know if we'll ever see it again. If we do, it's not going to be for another 20 years. Yeah, it was it was kind of funny to me. I mean, A.J. didn't 
didn't seem like he was he was too too mad about it. Um, he but he also wasn't that the stoked, energetic AJ Almendinger that we, we've come to grow used to over the last fifteen years. And yeah. that was kind of kind of on me. Like, well, did he get did he get hurt? Maybe have a concussion or something because he got hit so hard by his teammate Justin Haley there. Um, I, and that's the only thing I, I hope nothing like that happened, but we'll, I guess we'll see uh, going into this weekend in Vegas if, if the team says anything or anything like that. I'm not trying to make something out of nothing. I just – I got a little bit worrisome because he was just kind of a thousand yards there. I believe, you know, if he would have failed the concussion protocol test, he would have already been out for this week. So I think part of it was, number one, the fact that they said it was like $200,000 of damage for college. So Damn. probably – Did they even make yeah, that much weight? They're not going to make that much of a win at all. So – it outweighed the person. Number two, he probably felt bad about Cedric because they they wrecked on accident. Like they didn't mean to do that. They just wrecked. Yeah, I think it was a combination of those things, and then also like he just got all the air, you know, stripped out of out of him by going to the care center instead of celebrating the win. You know, we saw him get out and cheer with his car, and then yeah. you know you went you go to the care center and you get checked out by doctors. Like that's got to kill your enthusiasm, a right? Bit. Yeah. yeah. You know what they you're do? Never, right? they check you're never there in good circumstances. Yeah, you're never there in good circumstances. You're always there because you've just wrecked out of a race. It's like a mental yeah. association. Like when you're in the right, center, exactly. Yeah. Like they're like, you know, hey, you know, what's your? They're checking your blood pressure, your heart rate, all that kind of stuff, and it's like, that's not normal things for someone who just won a race. So it's probably. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know why I'm here, but. Yeah, you're not gonna be stoked. <laughs> I don't want to get poked yeah. at. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I didn't think about that stuff. Sometimes I just kind of ramble on, and then and then some of these questions come to my mind, and and then that's what we talk about. Because um, obviously most most of this stuff um, has been off script tonight. We're still waiting for Raja. Um, apparently, mm-hmm. he has not settled in yet. Um, I guess he's in Martinsville, uh, but they right. haven't gotten um, uh, to a place where he can hop on. Um, so we have been in contact with him. We're not. We're not sticking around and lying to you um so before we go into the thursday night doubleheader with the trucks and the arca cars uh, i'm going to give them a little bit more time uh to try and hop on here with us let's talk about what happened on sunday in monterey so we had the second to last race at um laguna seca I uh, forget what the new sponsor of that racetrack is. Um, sure. I think it's WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. Was it WeatherTech Raceway? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it was Mazda Laguna Seca Raceway for so long. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just I couldn't That's think what of what the new one was. Yeah. So this is a classic racetrack. It's one of the best racetracks in, in the country. It's a beautiful area, having been there uh, this past summer. Um, I, I would love to see some sort of NASCAR event there. If we're going to go to road courses, I'd rather go somewhere like that than the Indy Rapids road course. But the Indy cars put on a hell of a show. Uh, they have for the whole time that they've been going to this track. Um, let's talk about it. Uh, first off, Jimmy Johnson had probably the best race of his Indy car career uh, on, on Sunday. What did you guys think of that? And the eventual, I guess, letdown of the day for that. Yeah, I thought it was a good day for him because you look at where he was at the start of the year he was like completely in the back. The only way he wasn't going to finish there was mechanical failures for other people. And you could see that ever since the second Indy road course race, because that was a track he tested at, 
he got better and better and better lap time wise. Like he's still not there yet for, you know, one lap pace, getting the complete maximum out of a car yet. So obviously it's hard for him to qualify well, but in terms of lap times, he's getting closer and closer to the leaders, which is very good. So once it seems like once he's able to put everything together to, to get a good qualifying result, then he'll probably finish a lot better. So like he's almost there. Yeah, this is a good complete weekend for Jimmy. It was nice to see him kind of start fitting all the pieces together and have competitive runs. Um, I was really, really impressed with Roman Grosjean. Um, man, he was willing that thing all weekend. And we've seen him kind of build this to this all year. Um, but yeah. it was really cool to see him get that podium. Um, I'm a Colton Herta fan, so I really like the finish, even though he just waxed the field. Um, yeah, it's it was the Herta family thing here. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Herta family. Um, they're going to do well at Laguna Seca every time they go there. Um, so it's cool to see him win. Um, I'm still super intrigued with this points battle. We have a year-long points battle, and it's going to come down to the last race. Um, I am super stoked to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after Portland, I thought that it was basically over, but this weekend kind of swung it a little bit back in the favor of maybe not uh, Alex Plough full-on champion. Uh, so we'll see what happens right. at Long Beach. That's a really interesting race to – to cap the season off, but this was a very good race at Laguna Sega. Like we said, very entertaining. Jimmy Johnson said that he is, he is uh, tested at this track more than any of the other ones. So I think getting those reps down and being, being good at this track uh, are obviously one uh, leads to the other. And I can't wait for him to do that next year in, you know, the racetracks that he's already seen because the schedule is essentially the same um, aside from, uh, aside from going back to Canada, and you know what, it's 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 going to be good for NASCAR fans who are branching out because um, this season has been phenomenal. Please yeah, watch it. Man. Yeah, it's been a phenomenal season this year. Man. Coming down to the last race this weekend, it will be a uh, a great season next year, and we yeah, potentially man. might have. A full season Roman Grosjean, a full season Scott McLaughlin, and a full season Jimmy Johnson. And where they're going to be racing, racing all the ovals as something. Well. And go ahead, Nate. Yeah, and something before we move on to the next subjects. Um, year two, top two in the championship. They're second year drivers. I don't think people realize that. I think Pato was what twenty two years old, second full time year in IndyCar. Palo, second full year in IndyCar. I, I don't. I don't believe that this happens very often. It goes to show you how good the drivers are. This is probably the first time Scott Dixon has been beaten by a teammate in like 10 years. Yeah. And let alone a second year driver for a teammate. That's even more insane. It's just like, it shows you the talent IndyCar has now, because if you go back to the days of reunification, the grids were not this strong. Like you would not have a second year driver come in and compete for a title. Now, now everybody's good. Like you said, there's big names, there's so much young drivers that want to be here, and they're doing well. Like It's something that I would not have thought 10 years ago would happen. Right. And then uh, Roman Grosjean actually he put out a statement. I don't have it with me because I wasn't actually prepared to talk about the IndyCar race tonight. Um, but he basically said that if you're looking for good racing and mm-hmm. your trajectory yeah. is either a mid-tier seat – where you're not going to win any races or lead any laps in Formula 1 or IndyCar, come to IndyCar because it's going to be funner racing, it's going to be closer racing, it's going to be a better show, 
and and it's a lot more enjoyable with a lot less politics. And I thought that was essentially what his statement said. And yeah, I and think that holds true for the season. He mentioned something with the tires too. That yeah, you know, an F one car, you're really a lot of it's managing, and it's partly due to the Pirelli era that's been that way since before it's been. Every race is a one stop race, so you're really having to manage your tires and make sure you're in their working window, keep them not too hot, not too cold. Everything with the brakes, everything with fuel, you have to do everything that's micromanaging that relates to conserving than actually racing. Whereas you go to IndyCar, yes, you still have to hit a fuel number. Yes, you still have to conserve your tires to a certain extent, but it's a lot different. Like you're actually really, really having to to push the car every lap at the same time, which is something that he didn't get in F1. Yeah, and that's that's how he wrapped it up. He basically said, you know, you don't have to worry about a lot of things in any car. You can just get in and drive. Um, and you can tell he's having a hell of a time doing it. Yeah, like he's almost unchained, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... I, I don't know what better way to say it other than it's the most purest form of, of racing that we've got right now. Um, like, yeah. Like... Like you guys have said, Formula One is more of a, a tire degradation battle than an actual race. Uh, NASCAR is more entertainment than an actual race, and, and yeah. these races are entertaining because they're they're more pure. Um, so I I think with Romar going to Andretti, potentially taking Ryan Hunter race seat, um, I I I hope that we have more global money and global driving talent coming over here because. This series really needs to be about 24 races long with at least six, if not eight ovals. Yes, sir. And then also we need to have a, a bigger grid. I would love to see the days where we where we start 28 to 32 Indy cars every single week. Yeah, and, and I hope that, look at that. I think it all started when Alonzo ran the 500 back in 2017 because he mentioned that, you know, meeting up with Jimmy Johnson to do the seat swaps and stuff like that, he said that's basically what brought Jimmy to IndyCar, like that kind of – that experience kind of interested him even more in open wheel racing. Um, it got a lot of eyes on the sport because I remember Alonzo Mania back in 2017 and how that how that happened. I did not think that it would lead to this because now you've got drivers that are over here full time, not just running 500. Marcus Erickson, you know, guys like that. There's so many more guys, but it's just it's so cool to see it because. Ever since, ever since the last you know five or six years, it's been completely different. <clears throat> um, I'm just going to highlight this comment. Nothing is more pure than super late models, midgets, or sprints. Uh, shift recording winner, instant winner. Like, go look at what any like open wheel driver says. Like, karting is the most feared form of racing. Like, it's just literally how many person. How many super late models do you think they've driven? They've driven better cars. They've probably driven F1 cars, but. Like you're talking no. guys who've driven the fastest car on the planet at the time, saying that karting is the only form of racing that he truly enjoyed. Like that's just crazy. That, that's uh, fine. Um, we the, can the agree to was, disagree. The the thing that that all of these disciplines that were just brought up come down to that that don't come out of the same realm as IndyCar to me at least is. They're not as spec as something like IndyCar. So money wins races, right, in these other series to a much greater extent. Karting is just as bad as Formula One. 
But guess right, what? But at least with karting, there's a that, lot less volatility. There's a lot less volatility in dirt racing than a lot of people would like to admit. Right. So guess, when it comes to that sh- stuff, I mean, we're, we're the reason we're I about- said purity is that you don't need a team full of mechanics to run a go kart. You don't need a trailer. You don't need a sponsor. All you need is you know you and a buddy. Thousand dollars in a go kart. Okay, well, yeah, but how much? It's probably a lot more for car racing too. So there's no, no there's not no necessarily. You can racing, you can but... get good equipment for for those for those uh, other cars um, for the same amount of money. But the fact of the matter is, to be good at them, talent's going to shine in any of these disciplines because of just how, I guess, like you're saying, pure they are. But fundamentally, they're all going to be pushed by money. So yeah, every I mean, series doesn't matter. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Fast cars go fast. Yeah. Same I with feel cars, like, you know? yeah. I feel like there's just a lot more volatility in IndyCar itself um, that you don't get even in some touring car racing series like BTCC yeah. and WTCC and all that stuff too. Like um, it's just yeah. it's it, you can't really script it. Almost it's like it's not as spec as say F2 would be, but it's it's as close to getting spec without being spec as it can get. Like big right. money teams still win. Ganassi, Penske, McLaren, all those big big teams, Andretti. But you can still have small teams run really well, and that's that's the fun part. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm still waiting on Raja, so I guess we can swing back into the truck series and see where we go. So Thursday night, we had a doubleheader. We had the ARCA race first, but the premier show Thursday night was the truck race. Now, it has been a solid week, so we might not exactly remember what happened. So can one of you guys run down that race just for a little bit before we get to our opinions on it? Um, I don't want to be the downer here, but I didn't actually see the full race other than the last few laps. So all I know is that Sheldon Creed got used up. Um, there were some KBM things. JHN kind of blew the corner. Chandler Smith won. Must-win situation. He had to win and move on. And some drivers were not happy about that, and they suspected other things. So that was definitely the biggest takeaway from that race for me. Yeah, I'm with Nate. I didn't watch the whole thing Thursday night. I had other stuff going on. Um, I did watch the full ARCA race and then caught most of the Truck Series race. Um, I mean, it was a it was a pretty damn good finish. I mean, we still saw one of the best races of the season out of the Truck Series. Um, I feel bad for John Hunter. Um, however, I think he said in his interview that um, he's expecting a steak dinner and a phone call or in a favor in the future. Um so, I mean, that'll be interesting to see as it moves forward as to whether or not he did that to save his teammate or if he did it on accident and it just so happened to benefit his teammate. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say other than this is what the playoffs kind of brings out of people. Whether or not you like that is on your own accord. Um, Chandler Smith had to do what Chandler Smith had to do to try and run for a championship. Um, you can't get mad at a guy who's trying to make sure he's got a seat for next year um, after you've won so many damn races. Um, I I don't know exactly what I mean. What else you could want um, from from the race if you're racing in it? Like, a guy's got to do what a guy's got to do. Like that, that. That's where I'm at. I don't I don't get why John Hunter Nemechek wants a steak dinner and all this stuff. Like. You didn't let him win because you were a teammate. I mean, smart smart thing to do was just let him win anyways because, I mean, as as a championship threat, he's not one. So that's one spot I mean, of Chandler seven Smith other drivers. Trump, so 
I wouldn't say that he's not going to be a threat because that's just the way the trucks roll. Like sometimes random guys make the final four. So, I mean, I would never count out a KBM truck. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. But like I said, I do kind of feel bad for him because it's like, it's just part of the playoffs. Like they fought, you can't, the sport fosters these kind of things. And you know, whether, whether it's for better or worse, there's a lot more controversy with the playoffs than are without them. All right. So I do want to go ahead and thank everyone for sticking around with us tonight. Yeah. Um, we had planned on Raja being here when we started at seven and uh, then we pushed it out because he said it was probably going to be a little bit late. I know it's been an hour. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed most of the show. Um, he says that he'll be here in less than 15. We're not pulling your leg. I promise. I've uh, been in contact with him for about three weeks. Um, so, um, hopefully he should be here shortly. Um, I think the biggest thing that I want to get into before we get into the ARCA race, because I want him to be here for that, for obvious reasons. Yes. Um, practice. Bob put out a tweet that teams are expecting 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, let's, let's talk about this shit here. Nate, you go ahead, because I got a whole pot full yeah. of stuff. Um, I would say that their intentions for this practice are pretty well laid out. Like, I don't think they actually want the guys to practice just for the sake of getting their cars good. I think it's solely to prevent fluke mechanical failures from happening. Like, you remember Larson when he had something stuck in his engine at Talladega and it blew the engine out? That wouldn't have happened with, with, without practice or with practice. I think they're just trying to reduce the mechanical failures that would be caused by no practice. They want to ensure that every team gets to have a fair chance to bring their car to the racetrack and know that it's going to finish the race. But so the reason they're not allowing the adjustments under the car, probably they probably don't want any big things because they don't want, they don't want a true practice. They just want it to, to get rid of the, the hiccups that teams would have without practice. They, they want practice in this new format of no big adjustments to say that they have practice. We all know that NASCAR probably does not want practice. They want every team to show up and have the complete yep. show of this guy could crash out. This guy, random guy could hit the setup perfectly. Um, we all know that, that the Sims are not exactly like real life. We heard Kyle Busch say that he can sim all week. They can nail the setup on the sim and get to the track, and it's nothing like the actual track. Um, mostly right. because they don't update these damn the damn iRacing and these simulators every single time they race. They don't go out and scan it the week before and say, okay, here's what the track is now um, in these conditions, in what might be the race conditions. I mean, we have all sorts of factors we can throw into there. Um, my biggest beef is if you're just going to make them have no major adjustments other than it seems like tire pressure, wedge, and track bar. That's the things I can think of that they're allowed to do um, other than other minor little things here and there. Um, if you're going to do that, just don't have practice. Like for Christ's sake. Just do a parade around the track for the fans that are already there. I don't right. I don't get this. If I'm a driver, I, yeah, and I'm I don't I don't understand this. So I don't either. I'm with you. Go are ahead. You, are you guys ready for me? Because Alex is about to have another rant. Yeah, I'm ready. I don't understand this. What the fuck are you guys doing? I don't understand it. All the fans want practice. We want practice. Twenty minutes is not practice. How many runs are you going to get with twenty minutes? You might get two because you're going to go out. You're going to make sure your car doesn't blow the fuck up. It's a new, whole new thing. Then you're going to come in. You're going to cool it off. You might go out for a qualifying run. 
if they allow you to have qualifying setups, which is probably not going to happen. We're probably going to have impound races from, from here on out. Fans miss the fact that we used to see track records. Fans miss the fact that we used to see long runs. Fans miss the fact that we could show up on Friday and watch cup cars on Friday, on Saturday, and on Sunday. And you just want to do this? I don't understand it. I don't give a damn about the team saving money. They're saving money enough with this new car in the long run. That's a bullshit excuse. You're already talking about them needing more money because you're moving the, the numbers up front. If, if it Why is it about money? At some point, the money's going to run out because me and my guys are not going to show up to the racetrack for four days anymore because there's no reason to, because the midways suck, because there's no reason for sponsors to put money into the midways because there's no fans there, and there's nothing on track. You go to a supercars race, you go to a Formula One race, you go to a GT3 race, uh, uh, you know, you go to an IMSA race, you even own IMSA. What the fuck? You go see four or five series, have multiple practice sessions at a time, and you see them have qualifying, and you see them have a full-length race. And you know what people do? They show up. Fans don't only want racing. True fans, the ones that are going to spend their hard-earned money at your tracks, want track time. Stop pussyfooting around. This is bullshit, and you need to get your foot out of your ass. I'm tired of this shit. I wish that I could have rants 50% as good as Alex does. Because yeah, I know. Holy hell, we need to start a training. Hashtag Alex rants. I mean, he hit every single point. That's what all of us are thinking. When we go to a track, we want to like, see I a like to go to the practice day. Right. If what's I show up, I would love nothing more than have cup cars on track right now in Vegas. If I'm a Why am I spending money to put stickers on a race car that's not going to be seen but once? Am I also, am I gonna am I gonna spend money to to put to put a tent and people to service it and products on display if I'm not gonna have people out in the midway to actually do that because there's no reason for them to be there any day but race day? No, I'm not gonna do that. Where's right. the disconnect? Your whole your whole business model is marketing. Also, you can't not do marketing. You have to market to the people. And the only way you can do that is sell the sponsorship because their car is going to be seen by multiple people, multiple days each week. And they're also, not like look at the, the fan travel aspect. Why would you spend so much money on plane tickets and hotels to go to like a place that's 5,000 miles away for two days or one day? Like, why would you do that? That's just, like, that's the if you're going to travel, you might as well stay there for a few days. Why am I going to go rent an RV because I don't have one yeah. to go sit at a racetrack and have my thumb for like 12 hours? Yeah. For 12 hours a day for three days. Right. Do because you guys want to see the party, at, the party at Talladega die? Because this is how you do that. Yeah, that, yeah. it's going like, to. Now, I don't I mean, know like necessarily give people Talladega a to because go Talladega the track. and track time have never really been a thing since the no. 90s because they used to have multiple right. things. So I think Talladega is doing stuff at the track to circumvent the fact that they don't have that. If tracks can do that, which they don't, which I've ranted yeah. about before, that might alleviate some of this pain. But I'm not showing up to watch the best of the best figure out their car on Sunday. I'm showing up to see the best of the best figure out their car on Friday, go fast as fuck Friday night, figure out what they can do in race setup on Saturday during happy hour, which used to be my favorite part of the weekend. Cup happy hour was my favorite part of the weekend. Not the race. Cup happy hour. Because 
I could sit there and I could analyze people with my eyes on track and try and figure out who was going to be good for the race day. And that was my favorite part because I could do that and try and predict the races. And I can't do that anymore. And that was something that was fun for me. You took away a big piece of my racing heart when you did that. Okay. Uh, It's infuriating. And then Sunday, if, if someone bangs a set up right now, they're gone. But you know what? If other people have time to catch up on Friday and Saturday, we can have a hell of a show. We did it for how many years? Stop. Right. Right. Like it's so, there's so much interesting things you can do at a racetrack practice day. And now it's just, it's gone. Like it's going to be gone with the way that they're moving towards. I think it's just going to be qualifying only maybe from now on. Like I think that this one hour practice thing is just, just like a, a refresher almost like do your install laps, make sure all the mechanical gremlins are fixed. You're done. That's it. That's all it is. And even at that, we're having one pounds. So if someone does have a a major mechanical failure that they can find in practice, they're going to get impounded and sent to the rear for changing anything. It used to be just the engine. Right. And it's, it's ridiculous. That's not leading to good racing. I'm sorry. Yeah. We've had some pretty good bangers this year, but tripping up, up, up into success versus, versus, you know, actually getting there is a little bit different. And I hate that sometimes NASCAR, this year has worked, you know, with their on-track product because I know that it can be so much better. And it's just, it's something that has, has, has frustrated me since 2014. Yeah, I know that we sad. can do better. And, and the, and the brass that, that, that hold the keys to the kingdom, they, they decide to go opposite of what I think maybe I'm, maybe I am not the end all be all on opinions, but I, I think I know um, what race fans want more than race fans do most of the time. And I'll hold myself higher than that. You know, I'm I'm willing to die on the hill. Yeah, thanks again for those of you guys who are sticking with us. I hope we've been entertaining Um, pretty Mm -hmm. much to this point. Honestly, we've been ad-libbing the whole show. So uh, none of this was prepared that you've seen so far because uh, 